Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Building a great company, there's a number of of aspects to it. And I think fundamentally the biggest advice I could give is have happy customers. And I know this is one of our obsessions and ensure that whatever you do or whatever is a decision you make, that you never do it at the cost of a happy customer. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Edwin Frondozo. Thank you for taking the time to join me today. I am really happy to have you in this episode. I caught up with JP Chauvet, the president at Lightspeed at the SAS North Conference in Ottawa. JP has led organizations operating internationally across North America, Europe, and Asia with a proven track record of achieving targets and completing on business initiatives with both large established software vendors as well as fast-growing startups. In our conversation, JP discusses the transition of taking over the president role of a startup company and scaling it up into a fully grown sales organization. It's really interesting to hear him share his strategies, processes, and systems that he put in place to bring Lightspeed into its newfound business growth, like turning around the jack-of-all-trades culture, identifying his key performance-driven and go-to-market strategies. He also shares his first 100 days on the roll. Outside looking in, it may look like an overnight success, but the amount of work that JP puts in makes it all worthy. Today's episode is brought to you by Slingshot, a Canadian telecommunications leader in business VoIP services that empowers their emerging and innovative companies. Slingshot ensures that companies are communicating clearly to their customers, team members, and stakeholders. Unlike traditional telcos and other cloud providers, Slingshot understands what it takes to grow and scale a business. To learn more, go to slingshotvoip.com tblp. And with that, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, JP. Thank you. Well, thank you for taking the time to stop by and speak to us. We're at a conference, SAS North. But before we get into that, can you just tell us who is JP? So JP is the president of Lightspeed. We're a publicly traded company and we do a point of sale um, that basically replaces uh, kind of the legacy systems with an iPad and all the business logic in the cloud. Awesome. What what do you like to do outside of running and leading Lightspeed? Um, primarily, I love architecture. That's my passion. So I'm always building or I have a construction project always going on somewhere and uh, love, love cooking and, and actually good wine. Great. So you are here at SAS North to do a keynote talk on basically high velocity growth and first off congratulations on and all the successes at Lightspeed. from my understanding in my uh, my research into your profile jp aka linkedin i guess when you joined as chief revenue officer even within three years you, 36 months you did a 10x 10x growth on the span i mean a lot of obviously with your leadership and, and the team around you so can you tell us Maybe a, a high 
for those who are not here, tell us what your talk is about. So, yeah. So before, I mean, if you look at my 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 career, pretty much every company I've worked for was a startup that、mm-hmm. was that I that I scaled.、Um, and really, what I tried to do for this talk is to to, to try and and figure out what was common to all these. Companies and what strategies we put in place to grow,、mm-hmm. and actually, when you think about this,、um, most of the topics are obvious. But I think sometimes the obvious is not what people apply, and so I just try to look at through my throughout my career and Lightspeed, what were the big blocks that you actually need to put in place to be able to scale. So can we can we talk about? I mean, was it three blocks that you? There's gonna, six. Six blocks. Can six you tell blocks. us six? We,、yeah. we don't have to go into all of them, but it's very I, interesting. I, I think、yeah. generally speaking, the You know, when you're a startup and really small, you know, twenty, thirty employees, forty employees, you're in a world of jack of all trades where、mm-hmm. everybody does everything, and and so, how do you grow is really by structuring yourself for growth. And I, so I think a few、uh, is basically going away from jack of all trades and、mm-hmm. going into a model where people have a smaller scope and a more defined scope. Uh, so that people can grow, and because you know, if you hire someone and you're like, you got to do everything, yeah, for them to scale with the company is going to take a lot of time. Whereas when you narrow the scope of 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 responsibilities, you can hire much faster because you don't have to learn everything to do. So really, the first step is to going through the sales process and really the customer journey, and trying to have people way more focused on. On smaller tasks and smaller portions of the customer journey.、Um, So that's the first big topic, and it's a tough one. Yeah, no, for sure. So let's just dig a bit into that, JP. And I've spoken to many founders and many scaling companies. When you go through that exercise and understanding when you came into Lightspeed, how do you, how do you go about changing that from jack of all trade culture? Like there must have been a lot of. Changeover, I guess per se, within maybe some of the resources or the key individuals are in place, and and how did you gain some of those wins to turn that around? It's a very good question and a, yeah, a very good comment actually. But the, I, I, when you talk about people, it's never the same people、mm-hmm. that bring you to fifty employees to five hundred to five thousand, and actually a thousand is not a big component. So here.、Um, You just have to implement the change. So the way you do it is well. Anyway, the way I did it, or I did it many times, is just interviewing everyone, trying to figure out what is the essential oil of every individual and what they're really good at,、mm-hmm. and focusing them on what they're really good at. And then I think the so that's more on the employee level. Then on the management level, there are people. Most of the people basically are not in the company today that were there at the、mm-hmm. time, and. That's because the skill set is completely different,、um, but I think what you have to make people understand is that this is the job I'm going to give them today. But we, the, you know, the flip side of that story is to accept crazy mobility and saying I'm going to start here and try another job and try another job. And if you look at the people who've stayed with us the longest, and we're very lucky because most of the initial people are still with the company, they've moved from one group to the next, and and so I think what. The fear people have when you do this is that oh my god I'm stuck in this thing forever, whereas what you have to explain to them is that it's it's kind of an organic、uh, evolution and that they're going to move from one one department to the next and make them understand that if they make the decision today to be very focused on I don't know demand gen and if they don't like it there is an option for them to go into support and to other departments but just m- making them really understand that the only way you can scale. 
And the only way you can hire fast enough is by focusing people on smaller tasks that are easier to kind of transmit to someone else, which means you can hire more people and grow. And I think the, the, the understanding comes with time. And, and it's very funny because throughout the years, we also acquired a number of companies mm-hmm. and we had exactly the same conversation with every company we acquired and exactly the same conversation with the employees, which is okay. You're going to have to make a choice today, but it might not be the same uh, you know, you might not be doing this job in two years from now, but today I have to put you somewhere and I have to, I need to have you focus on a piece of it and become really good at it. So talk to me about getting, I guess, everyone on the same page. What came first? Was it creating that vision and that mission to allow the team members to make that decision whether, you know what, I'm on board, I'm going to take this role and hopefully figure this out? Because sometimes when we're in the job, we we may or may not see the vision, but we just have to trust it, right? So what came first and what helped when you seen when you looked at the culture? So, and that's, uh, I think it's more of a leadership question than yes. anything else because yes. ultimately people follow good leaders mm-hmm. and if you're articulate in explaining why and explaining the vision, normally people buy into it. So going back to your question, obviously the first step is I needed to have a view of, so it's basically a two-step. The first step is an interview Mm -hmm. where throughout the interview process, I build a vision. And then from the interview process, from this vision is now built, I have a second round now with people saying, okay, this is the vision. Right. And so I think, first of all, people feeling like they've been heard Mm -hmm. is a very important thing before you can build a vision. Then the interview process made me understand who I thought were the leaders and who were the followers and who right. who were the, the key key people who would drive my vision. Mm-hmm. And then it's about being sure that those who drive visions become very close to you, buy into your vision, and then there's a ripple effect on everybody else. But it's, I think it's a standard change management kind of practice is mm-hmm. you grab the information, you develop a vision, and then you communicate the vision. Mm-hmm. And not everybody follow the vision. Yeah. And um, it's okay. And I think it's okay for people to say, well, look, this is not for me anymore mm-hmm. and not try to make them hold on to something they don't believe in. Yeah. And so that's where you see the natural churn of people who want to be in a startup and don't want to be in yeah. a scale-up. And I think it's a very different mindset. Very when you joined JP, uh, I think this was in 2012, yes. as, a, as a chief revenue officer, yes. um, like, what did you do to prepare as you came into the role understanding your experience, because I, I know from your experience, and we can get into it, like you've grown within sales organizations to leading, yeah. uh, to being the CEO of ATEC. So yeah. when you came in and you saw the opportunity, was there some specific things you did and how did you handle your first 100 days as, as the CRO? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a while ago. 100, no, but it's, it's 100 days is learning. Yes. So you just, um, you know, but... Uh, what was very clear to me is that after a week, I knew exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, again, these models are not new. You know, we put a high velocity sales model. I mean, everybody's now using this model. But so I, I think when I came in as a CRO, it's because it was very clear from the investors that they needed someone to kind of take the go to market, which was the key trying to grow the company. Mm-hmm. And, and, I think also the uh, the other piece when before I joined, I wanted to be sure I had full latitude to implement what I wanted to, um, and obviously I have a really amazing relationship with Dax, and and so it was very easy. You know, Dax was a product guy, and I was the the engine for the market, mm-hmm. and so we split our jobs, and I just doubled down on that at the beginning when I when I joined the company, 
and I got buy-in because I guess sometimes when you have experience and you've done it before, the way you transmit this to someone, you know, you 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 tr transfer information with more insurance, and you get people to buy into your model in a much mm -hmm. easier way. Just another point on your presentation. I think I think you talk about some maybe some key performance driven and go to market strategies. Can you share some of that with us today? Yeah, that, that was the, so that was the, the, the first side is you focus people on jobs. And then the second big task mm -hmm. was around what do you measure? Mm -hmm. And, and so that was a, and it's still a journey. I mean, what you measure and how you measure and, you know, what are your OKRs and, you know, what are the key fundamentals or is, is a journey. And, and normally the, the more you become sophisticated, the more you can dig and, and actually present this in a very simple way. But anyway, going back to when I joined, that was the, the other big piece is I, I, I've seen this many times with founders is that they claim they're data driven and yeah, we're measuring everything. Yeah. But, but often what I've, what I, what I've seen and what I saw also actually with Lightspeed when I joined is it, it there was not the cadence. And I think a data point without the cadence or without going back to this data point at a very regular pace means nothing. Right. And so that was the, the second big undertaking at Lightspeed was to, to look at, okay, regardless of the department, I need to have a dashboard. Regardless of the department, regardless of your HR, if you're, and you know, everybody's view also is often, okay, what gets measured, MR and churn. And okay, those are corporate values right. and corporate fundamentals. But I think you need to bring it down one level and even two or three, you need to bring it to an individual level. And so that was the big thing is like, I wanted everybody, even an individual contributor in support or in development to have it his own dashboard of, okay, how am I doing and how am I folding into the entire strategy of the company? So we went through this long process of defining by, we started at the top and I think those are very standard you know right, you, you look right. at MR you look at net new AR you look at uh, churn uh, you look at ARPU I mean all the fundamentals of the business so we started by that and just being sure we could measure them mm -hmm. and then we went one level under we started looking at every department so support what what are my KPIs in support when I'm in sales what are my KPIs when I'm in onboarding of customers and so I'd created all these jobs and then the idea was to say, okay, now we're going to measure every week what data point is going to look, we're going to look at. And I think that's the, the big thing is defining those data points, being sure we had a method to continuously have the data every week. And then since I've been in the company every Monday at 8.30 a.m., all the management is in that room and we go through every single department and all the data points. And, I, and I'm assuming having all these aligned dashboards and KPIs also helps the entire company with that shared vision and the shared goals of, of accelerating, accelerating growth, I, I assume. Yeah. And you can't improve what you don't look at. And right. so when you stare at a number, you naturally end up improving that number. Okay. So I think, um, yeah, you're, you're right. Is that I think it, it just comes all together. You need to package everything together so that people have trust and confidence in where you're heading. And I think that's really what we, what we try to implement at the beginning at Lightspeed, just say, Hey, narrow the focus, get numbers. And the third piece about numbers is make them visible. And so every department and even today has a number of dashboards everywhere and everyone's performance is exposed and even individual contributors. So as an example, if I'm in support, I will see the, uh, you know, 
number of tickets resolved by, by agent month to date. And I'll see my build up of the dashboard from the weakest to the best and every department. So it's kind of a gamification at mm -hmm. the end of this, but you need to make the, the performance visible if you start measuring it. And so that was the last piece of this is just <laughs> came around and started putting TVs everywhere really? and connecting them to yeah. our warehouse of data and just ensuring people could stare at it every day. And actually that what, The impact of that was that the highest performers basically became better and, and started playing with themselves to always be at the top. And the weaker ones just left the company because they realized, okay, I'm not up for this. And it just brought the, this culture of, of high achievement in place. And it's been the case ever since. A few words from our episode sponsor, Slingshot. Business leaders are now faced with the challenges to ensure that their business and culture are not only profitable, but also a sustainable business. So how does your workforce look like? As we move towards the growing gig economy and remote workforce, it is important to work with a communications partner that has the knowledge and experience. Slingshot understands the growing needs of business leaders and partners with you to ensure that your company is aligned to your vision, growth, and sustainability of the future. To learn more, go to slingshotvoip.com slash TBLP. JP, I want to just change change gears a bit, and we alluded to it a bit at the beginning. Um, when I looked at your career, you, you have quite a bit of success and experience when it comes to building sales organizations. And... It's also what I saw, and this is really just a, a snapshot, is you have grown into business leadership executive roles the traditional way within an organization uh, and grown with organizations. And I think it's part of joining a startup or a scale-up as well. I'd love it if you could share with us maybe a difficult decision that you had to make throughout your career that... It might have been earlier on in your career, JP, but it really maybe you lost sleep on it and it was something that you found so challenging that when you did make the decision, it allowed you to grow as a business leader. And you look back at that decision as well still. I think one of the, so maybe just, I started my career in product. Mm -hmm. So my, I was a product manager and- um, In telecom. In telecom, yes. yeah. And so beginning of the web, basically in 1997, 96, 97. Um, and I was working for a much larger group, France Telecom, and I was very well established. And, uh, and then we did a lot of acquisitions in the US. So then because I was English speaking and French people don't speak good English, they just shipped me to, to New York and okay. I started and then grew from there. And I think for me, um, I went from a very well-established job at France Telecom, mm -hmm. making good money, and I joined my first startup, which was Ixia in uh, um, in '98, I think. And I think that was at the time a huge decision for me because I had to let go of a, a lot of things, including a big fat salary. and And at the time, I really was very anxious about this because I went from you know big, well-established global company to tiny startup in Canada. No name brand. No name brand. We just received five million. Uh, at the time, it was a lot of money, mind you. But um, <laughs> so, so I think that was the riskiest I've done. And with time, I, I think I never regretted it. And then the second biggest risky thing I did was I was in 
in Canada, and I was, uh, um, let's say, number two of a publicly traded company called Einstein. And I got hunted by the largest company in the industry, ATEX at the time, and digital, digital, uh, basically media and, and digital advertising. And they shipped me to a straight to, um, to Singapore. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, for me, this is going to be a going from knowing North America to <laughs> I'm going to be a real global leader. And uh, so I spent uh, three years uh, in Singapore and then a year in Australia, and then I moved back to London. And I think that also was super challenging because it was like, okay, I'm discovering something. But I think if I look at it today, it's probably from that experience that I learned the most about how to be a real global company. And um, so I think those are the two and I think the third one is, yeah, when I'm, I, I like risk. Maybe that's my problem in life. But uh, when at Atex, uh, you know, I was managing 850 people. I was CEO of a fairly large software company. And I took the risk to move to Montreal to join a, you know, 40 employee startup. Right. To try it again. I guess it's more, I think, and that's my view of life is you grow through taking risks and, and proving to yourself you can do it. And so that's when I moved back to, to Montreal and, and Lightspeed is I just wanted to prove to myself that I could do it again, you know? I love it. And, uh, and one point in Atex and, and what I noticed was that when you took that role in Asia, I think you had, you were, you were overseeing about 20, 20 individuals and then you moved up and it did yeah. 5X, you went to like 70 plus. And I think when you, Originally took over, but I think you just mentioned the number was over 800 now. But I wanted to, if you could just share how you learned and grown as an operational leader or a manager, as you know, as has your headcount grown? Because that that's very difficult to to navigate. Yeah, well, I, I think <laughs> you learn through errors more than through success. Just put it that way. Yeah, you develop a much thicker skin when you fail, um, and it's. It, I've, I've always felt that when I'm in an uncomfortable environment, that's where I have to find the energy to just get through it. So I think going back to, you know, ATEX and the beginning and the end, it's you basically, you end up being in deep sea at some point. Right. And then you need to hook on to people you admire and you connect to. Um, and in the case of ATEX, was a board member called Jim Rose, who's a pretty big guy now even in the US but you, you just hook on to the people who help you grow and uh -huh. help you understand situations and then you learn to swim and I know um, I know there's a lot of I, I, I hear maybe you're going to see a controversial side of me but I think there's so many books that explain to you in retrospect how great the story was yes um, and I, I I'm not a believer of, of, of that I think you actually learn more from experiencing, experiencing it yourself uh -huh. And connecting to people who can actually guide you through the unknown. So I, I, I mean, I do read a few business books, but I'm yeah. not a fan of them because I, I would rather develop my own perspective and, and use people that I trust in the context of the scenario rather than in a generic way. 100%. You mentioned a key individual in your life was Jim Rose. Yes. And this is someone that was a mentor or someone within an organization. Is there anyone else within your career that had a tremendous impact on you? My uh, Yeah. Um, the, the first leader of France Telecom Multimedia was uh, Osman Sultan. He was a incredible guy. So he's the first guy who trusted me, I guess, and mentored me and coached me and he ended up founding do which is one of the biggest telecom companies in dubai um then there's jim rose that was at atex and um 
at Lightspeed, um, it's funny, at Lightspeed, it's a number of people that I met throughout. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know, I'm, I, I think at Lightspeed, I'm at a different level now where I get my mentorship through being on boards of other companies. Okay. Uh, so, as an example, I'm on the board of Covio, which mm-hmm. is another high-growth Canadian, uh, I mean, just did a huge funding. And Louis, who's the CEO of, of Covio, is an incredible guy. And he was a CEO of Taleo that became a multi-billion dollar company before that. So, it's more hooking on to people who can be a good sounding board and can help me kind of understand the phases in which, because I think the the challenge of growth for a software company is understanding the phase in which you are Okay, and and. Uh, what scenarios you need to develop for this company to be successful. Right. And I, I, even Lightspeed, I mean, and you could talk to Dax and, you know, we talk about this often, but it's like every phase of Lightspeed has been a challenge, even though from the outside it's wonderful and it's still is a rocket ship, <laughs> but it's it, every phase forces you to reestablish what's going to be your role, who are going to be your leaders, and how are you going to adapt your methods to this, this, this stage. So it's, I think... Yeah, life is a challenge just being, and especially when you talk about companies and growth and technology, it's interesting. So you mentioned real quickly about getting, I guess, some advice and mentorships from being on other boards. Are there anything else you do? Um, I know some people read a lot, and I know you mentioned you just like the experience. Are there other organizations or, or even peer groups that you, you hang out with? Yeah, so um, I I hang out with as many people as I can who yeah. can help me uh, figure out. So obviously I have the boards, but I'm, I'm constantly reading online about you know structures and organizational mm-hmm. changes, and so it. it I think you just f- take it, uh, inspiration where you can find it. Yeah, and there's so many ways to take inspiration nowadays that every day you end up okay. Hey, I don't know about this topic, and I'm in. You know, I'm going to meet one of my teammates or employees about this topic let me search online let me p- put my head around this let's figure out i mean ted obviously everybody reads uh, you know listens to ted pretty regularly but mm-hmm. i think for me that um you can't replace the deep knowledge that you have of a company and not all companies are the same and i think that the, the value i bring to Lightspeed and I will bring is my deep knowledge of understanding the customers and how do I build the best product for the customers Mm -hmm. and understanding how the industry is evolving and it's kind of a, and how we're going to react to this evolution. Amazing. JP, what else is going on? I know you are fully, fully focused on growing, scaling Lightspeed, but do you have any special projects, initiatives? It could be professional, personal, anything that, you're super excited about maybe losing sleep over um no i mean i this is a full-time job <laughs> it's been a you know we, we went from 47 to about a thousand employees in, in a very short amount of wow. time uh, we have offices throughout the world so i'm traveling pretty much every week um i, I think for me the most exciting thing about lightspeed is the ecosystem around it and the, I mean, how it's put Montreal kind of on the technology map mm-hmm. and and how, so I spend a lot of time, um, you know, working with a lot of, you know, VCs, I know, yeah, a lot of private equity groups who are investing in Montreal-based companies and trying to coach the leaders. Okay. Um, so that takes a lot of my time. I'm, I'm also on, um, yeah, um, a number of kind of groups of of 
investment and trying to trying to figure out what we're going to do but i think the proudest thing and what makes me the most excited is that um there 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 are repercussions of lightspeed and there's more and more entrepreneurs now in montreal who Mm -hmm. believe in this who believe that yes you don't have to be sold to an american company yes you can be a big canadian company yes you montreal is a great spot to to grow and just you know i'm just the two companies i'm on the board of like covio is now i mean just behind us and, yeah. and doing amazingly well. I'm also on the board of a company called Alaya Care. So I try and get involved in the companies I believe in. And I, and it's, for me, it's, it's fascinating to see the impact of now the belief of investment behind Montreal based companies and seeing the ecosystem just flourish is just the most exciting for me. JP, love to get any final thoughts from your observations. Ideally, what we like to share is some actionable recommendations that uh, you could share with the emerging business leader who is listening today. I'm not a man of giving advice, so it's very tough for me to... to um, I, I think for me, the... I mean, building a great company, there's a number of, of aspects to it. And I think fundamentally the biggest advice I could give is have happy customers. And I know this is one of our obsessions and ensure that whatever you do or whatever is a decision you make that you, you, you never um, do it at the cost of a happy customer. And so I think, I know it's kind of a, cheesy generic kind of but I, I fundamentally believe that the best companies have customers who praise the products so fundamentally it's a product play and then i think as you scale that the second advice i could give is don't be scared to give up and and i think that's the big learning of growing is you can't control everything but surround yourself with people who are amazing and once you have them give up and be ready to give up gradually, you know, your authority, your, because that's one of the big things we've seen. And I continue seeing with, with founders is there's the concept of giving up and there's the reality of giving up. And, you know, I go back to Dax and, and, and myself. And I think that's where I'm, I feel blessed is that I've really formed a partnership with Dax where he knows where he's good and he knows where I'm good. And he's basically, Uh, given up a lot of his control in the hands of someone he trusts. And I think it's very difficult for founders sometimes to do that. JP, it's been an amazing time. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thank you very much. That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode 144 with JP Chauvet. If you want to learn more about JP, Lightspeed, or Anything else that we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 144. Join me on my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode, answer your questions, and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly in the Facebook. Thanks to our sponsor, Slingshot, a Canadian telecommunications leader in business VoIP services. Slingshot understands the growing needs of business leaders and partners with you to ensure that your company is aligned to your vision, growth, and sustainability of the future. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment on your favorite podcast player. Thank you again. Edwin, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Okay.